start it in just a minute. Brother Wayne, if you could go ahead and kill those lights. Go ahead and start it, Carol. Aurora, Indiana is situated on the banks of the Ohio River, just outside the metro area of Cincinnati, Ohio. And along this river, in this entire area of 60,000 people in Dearborn County, there was no church. Because of the United Pentecostal Church, partnering with a 68-year-old man with a vision is the reason that we are here today. We took a drive one Saturday over to Aurora, Indiana. We said there needed to be a church in this town. I want to thank uh, the North American Mission Christmas for Christ for allowing my husband to plant one more church and helped us finance it because that was his passion was to plant another church in his latter years. He's God. <clears throat> you know, the pastor already said and led with God's no respect to persons. He'll use anybody if you're available. Amen. And so God can take a 68-year-old man and his wife and send them to another, to a city to start yet another church. And um, so who decides when God's done with us? He does. He leaves that up to our discretion if we want to decide that, but that could be to our own peril. In my opinion. So anyway, um, you know, we have a friend that was a missionary in Taiwan for almost 30 years, Vic Lotal. He retired from missionary work and went to Illinois and started a church. And uh, last year had a groundbreaking, I think. So he just said, I'm, God said, I'm not done. And so there, there they are. There he is pastoring yet another church after 30 years in the mission field. So. Amen. God's not done with us. He's not done. Amen. And North American Missions, and I'm not going to beleaguer the point. We've got the, the envelopes out here. You all know what to do. Uh, whatever you feel like God leading you to, this is not a, a mandatory, everybody's got to participate kind of thing like the CFC campaign or something in the military. You know, it's This is if you feel God leading you to do this. But let me tell you that this is an investment in the kingdom. You're not giving to an offering. I know that's what we call it, the NAM Christmas for Christ offering. But to me, it's not an offering. Because I don't own a dollar of the money I have in my bank account right now. I have the finances that I have. I have the job that I have to make the money that I make. Because God blessed me with that. And he lets me keep a part of that. But it still belongs to him. And I've got to manage it and be a good steward of it based on that fact. And so, if there's an envelope up here that says 10000 right up here on the front. Now, I don't want to say, I'm not trying to tell anybody to come up here, but if you feel God prompting you to give $10,000, then seriously, 
If He's prompting you to do that, then He's already made the way. Our pastor has said before, if, if, God, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. If it's God's will to use you to give $10,000 and you don't, have, you don't know what $10,000 even looks like, that's on Him. But if you feel Him prompting you to do that, by all means, I strongly encourage you to do that because you don't know what kind of blessing there is on the other side of that. Because He's going to bless you for being obedient and faithful because it, it'll come out of somewhere you never expected it. But He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Doesn't the Bible say that? And He owns the gold. He owns it all. He owns your bank account. He owns your life. Amen? My soul is in His hands. And the souls of the people of this city, of the city of West Salem, we don't have a church. Sparta, we don't have a church. If it's God's will, and I believe it is until I hear otherwise from Him, it's the will of God for every soul to be saved. Or at least have the opportunity to hear the gospel and decide for themselves. And the Bible says, how shall they hear except someone goes and tells them? I can't save them. You already said that, Pastor. But I can tell them. I can be the watchman on the wall. I can tell them that God loves them. I can tell them that He wants to save them. And that their decision, it's up to them and God at that point, right? But we just got to tell them, in Jesus' name. the Lord. <laughs> that offering is due next Sunday. Um, also, as a reminder, we will not be having a service here on Christmas Day. And he's working on the echo for me. Um, New Year's Eve, we will be having a service here at 5 p.m. We are asking everyone to participate. Whether you have a talent to sing or to play an instrument, if you want to give a testimony, want to share your favorite uh, scripture or a poem, just something. We'd love for you to participate. We will also have a fellowship and some refreshments afterwards. Uh, Sister DeMuth will come around um, probably next week with the sign-up sheet for those foods. We're looking for finger foods. And just a reminder that we will not have a service here on January 1st. Uh, since we're having the, Chris, uh, the New Year's Eve service, we will not have service here on New Year's Day. And a reminder to see Sister Shepherd for uh, signing up for cleaning for 2023. Hallelujah. I am so thankful all of you are joining us here in person. And those joining us online, we have some that are faithful so faithful to joining us online, and we appreciate that. We'd like for you to, whether you're here or at home, to worship with us today. The first Noel, the angel did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fear. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. The King of Israel. Hallelujah, Jesus. The King of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold Him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Filled in flesh the Godhead see, Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Hail the hand-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings. Risen with healing in His wings. Smile replace His glory by Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Come, desire of nations, come, fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent's head. Adam's likeness now we face. Stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above, reinstate us with thy love. Hark the herald angel 
Glory to the newborn King. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we sing glory to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory in the highest. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You are our Savior. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can sing these songs at Christmas. We can celebrate this time because he came, and he came to set us free. This is the reason he came. Once like a bird in prison I dwelt, no freedom from my sorrow I felt. But Jesus came and listened to me. Glory, he set me free. He set me free, yes, he set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. I glory bound by Jesus to see. Glory to God, He set me free. Now I am climbing higher each day. Darkness of night has drifted away. My feet are planted on higher ground. Glory to God, I'm homeward bound. He set me free, yes, He set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound, my Jesus, to see. Glory to God, He set me free. Goodbye to sin and things that confound. Not of this world shall turn me around. Daily I'm praying, I'm praying to glory to God. I'm going through. He set me free. Yes, He set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound, my Jesus, to see. Glory to God, He set me free. Once like a bird in prison I dwelt, no freedom from my sorrow I felt. But Jesus came and listened to me. Glory to God, He set me free. He set me free, yes, He set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound, my Jesus, to see. 
Glory to God, He set me free. He set me free, yes, He set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory-bound, my Jesus, to see. Glory to God, He set me free. Praise God. He did set us free, church, from the bondage of sin and death. Delivered us into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. He's worthy of worship. He's worthy of all praise. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He sits upon the throne right now. And He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of all praise, all glory, all honor. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. He's the one that suffered on a cross and died in our place. He's the one that forgave our sins and restored us to a right relationship with Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. This is the time where we actually, as, as a people, start looking at that, that Jesus came as a babe, suffered on a cross. That's the reason He came. He didn't come for a holiday. He came because we needed a Savior. Praise God. That's really what all of this boils down to. I needed saving. I needed salvation. And He was the only one that could save me. Thank God that He did. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Uh, you can be seated for a moment. We have some visitors with us today I want to recognize. Uh, first, uh, Mr. Travis Tucker is here with us. Uh, he is a guest of uh, Brother Shepherd. works with him. Amen. You're going to be here a few months, you said? Okay. Well, as long as you're here, we'll be glad to have you. Amen. God bless you. Amen. And I'm going to get this name wrong. Uh, Burbay. Barbe. I'm sorry. Brother and Sister Barbe are here. See, I told you. I apologize. Brother and Sister Barbe are here with us. Amen. Uh, moving to the area is into Sparta. Amen. We're so glad to have you here with us this morning. Amen. God bless you guys. Praise God. Amen. And we're glad all of you are here. Praise God. Most of all, I'm glad Jesus is here. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Our scripture text today is going to be found in Luke chapter 4, uh, verses 14 through 19. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 19. It's a bit of a read, but we'll get through it. Praise God. Luke chapter 4, starting with verse 14, says this. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of Him through all the region round about. And He taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. 
And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. We're preaching on this topic truly, completely, and absolutely free. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for you and your presence in this house today. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to work your perfect will out in this service, that all of your heart, all of your mind would be manifest in this place today. Above all else, Lord, that your name would be glorified, that your people would be ministered unto according to their needs and according to your perfect will. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. All the way back in Scripture, we are introduced to a man by the name of Abram. Genesis chapter 12, we're introduced to him. He's given a command to walk. Just go. And as you go, I will give you more specific instructions. God established a covenant with this man. And uh, in Genesis chapter 15, in verse 13 and 14, we see uh, a particular part of that. Abram was caused to fall into a deep sleep. And the Lord spoke to Abraham and said this, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward shall they come out with great substance. Amen. So all the way back then, in the time of Abram, this was prophesied, this was promised, that this was going to take place at some point, approximately four hundred years. In Exodus chapter 1 and 14, we see that become a reality. They made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. Amen. We went through Abraham. We went through Isaac and Jacob. Joseph came onto the scene. And we know the story of Joseph through a set of unfortunate circumstances. He becomes the number two guy in Egypt. And he calls his family, calls his dad Jacob and all of his family, 70 in all, to come into the nation of of Egypt to live and to prosper. Well, they did exactly that. They became millions. And eventually, Pharaoh looked upon them and said, we need to deal wisely with them. If a nation arises up against us in war and the Israelites decide, I want to fight with them, guys, we're done. So they captured them, and they enslaved them, and they made them serve with rigor until the time of uh, Moses. God sent a deliverer to the nation of Israel, and through Moses, God delivered them mightily, miraculously, powerfully, judging all the gods of Egypt, judging the philosophies and the teachings of Egypt, and causing them to come out with great substance according to the promise that God gave to Abram. But the people took it for granted. They took it lightly. They did not appreciate being delivered out of Egypt. 
In fact, all through their wanderings were murmurings and complainings and, and backslidings. Every time a situation came up, they wanted to return to Egypt. They wanted to return to service, return to slavery, return to their bondage. The Lord was cognizant of this fact and had to remind them several times in Scripture not to do that and to remember who it was that delivered them, who it was that freed them. Exodus 20 and 2 says, I'm the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. They needed to be reminded what Egypt was. Deuteronomy 6 and 12, Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage. Deuteronomy 8.14 says, Then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage. God's plan, God's purpose was always to deliver His people from bondage. All bondage. By freeing them to make a choice. Freeing them to make a choice. And here we go again. What God does for people, what God does for us, is that He looses us so that we can now exercise our free moral agency and make a choice. God doesn't want slaves. He came to set us free from that. God doesn't want people in bondage. He wants people free who exercise the free choice, the free moral agency that He gave everyone. The enemy does not want that. The enemy wants to force himself upon you. The enemy wants you in bondage so that you have to obey. That's how all of us are born. We are born in bondage. We are born not free. Slaves to sin. Slaves to the devil. And by and large, we don't really have a choice. When Satan says jump, we jump. When our flesh demands something, we'll move heaven and earth to satisfy it. Until God sets us free. And now God gives us a choice. But we've got to choose wisely. Or we'll head back to Egypt. Deuteronomy 30 and 19 says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Can't God demand of His people what He wants? Can't God just say, this is what you're going to do, period? He could. He most certainly could. He's a lot more powerful than Satan is. He could most certainly enslave us and demand action, demand certain choices, demand certain actions, and we just have to do it. But that's not how He built this thing. That's not how He built you and me. He doesn't want slaves serving Him. He wants free moral agents serving Him. People who will choose to love Him. People who will choose to serve Him. And He sets everything before us. He doesn't hold anything back. He doesn't hide anything in the fine print. 
This is what happens if you obey. This is what happens if you disobey. Now choose. Period. Ezekiel 18.23 says, Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live? That's what God's pleasure is. That we make the right choice. That we exercise wisdom and discretion. And make proper choices with that awesome power that He has given us. As I am a father, I have children. A lot of you have children. Maybe some grandchildren, great-grandchildren. I just have children. But, in that, God has shown me all kinds of things. How He views me as His child. I can see a lot of that in my children. My children don't always make the best choice from my perspective. Just like I didn't always make the best choice from my dad's perspective. Fair enough. And I've told my kids, this is what I think you ought to do. This, I think, would be the best choice to make in this situation. And then let them choose. And if it's not the right choice, I will counsel them on how to fix things. Just like Jesus does with me. Jesus doesn't force me into anything. He lets me know what the right way is. He lets me know what the wrong way is. It's up to you, buddy. Make a choice. Do something. If I make the right choice, blessing ensues. If I make the wrong choice, I get a chance to learn something. I get experience and hopefully a little more wisdom. But when God looks at me, every time I come to a crossroads, every time I come to a a choice that needs to be made, God is right there with wisdom. I have wisdom in Scripture. I have wisdom of my elders. This is the right choice. If I'll follow that, I move forward in God. I continue to receive blessing from Him. It's not God's pleasure. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I truly did think that sometimes my parents were a little bit sadistic. I did think that they were just waiting for me to fail so they could do something evil to me. Have you ever thought that? I did think that. Not for very long, but I do remember having those thoughts. Sometimes, Christian, we think that of God, don't we? Sometimes the perception of God is, He's just looking up there at me, waiting for me to mess this up, so He can come let me know. 
That's not God at all, folks. God is desperate for us to make the right choice. He wants so desperately for us to choose life. When we choose death, we're choosing bondage. We're choosing a return to Egypt. We're forgetting the Lord God who set us free, who delivered us. Many people are in bondage today and need God's deliverance, Christian as well as non-Christian. John 8.34 says, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Now there are some sins that we don't typically think of as sin. Keep that in mind. 2 Peter 2.19 says, While they promised the liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. And Romans 6.16 says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. Now there are all kinds of ways to slide into bondage, folks. The obvious ones... Just go out to the bar and start drinking. Start sleeping around with whoever I want. I mean, those are obvious things. Those are wrong too. But there are more subtle ways. Less obvious ways. I can slide into bondage here. I can start looking at Scripture and saying, well, I don't necessarily agree with this. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think this is what that should say. Or that's not for us today. I can get into bondage here. Bitterness. Envy. Jealousy. Anger. There are all kinds of scenarios, folks, that the enemy can use against us. And in every one of those cases, we have a choice. God has freed us to make a choice. We don't have to entertain those thoughts. I can choose to submit myself to the authority of Scripture, no matter what thoughts come into my mind. Because again, folks, at the end of the day, if that one Scripture is not right, this isn't the Word of God. Does that make sense? It is or it isn't. If it is the Word of God, my God is powerful enough, He's wise enough, he's, He can figure out how to transmit that through the, through the ages to me today. He can figure out how to do that. If He can't figure that out, I'm worshiping the wrong God. But I'm not worshiping the wrong God. What I have is an accurate transmission. Every point God is trying to make to me, that has been transmitted. Amen. The authority of Scripture is inviolate. It is absolute. And it is absolute because at the end of time, that's what I'm going to be judged by. I'm not going to be judged by what I thought was true. I'm not going to be judged by what you thought was true. I'm going to be judged by what's in this book. Period. 
And everything else is, well, it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter what I think is true or false. And it doesn't matter what you think or anyone thinks is true or false. What does God tell us? What is God's wisdom? What is God's truths? That's all that matters, folks. That's what we need to submit ourselves to. Once freed, we need to stay free. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Folks, there are days where, quite frankly, this is hard enough without the added weight. When you're running a marathon, man, wouldn't it be great just to put a 100-pound rucksack on? And just run that marathon with a 100-pound rucksack. Nobody would do that. No one. <clears throat> At the very least, no one that wants to win. You're setting everything, getting rid of everything you can to run that marathon. <clears throat> Why would I want to make this any harder than it needs to be? You see, sometimes I don't know what makes this easy. And what makes it hard? We were talking in our men's, men's group yesterday. You know, sometimes, sometimes, folks, we just get to the place, because we're in a war, right? We're in a spiritual war. 24-7, 365. There is ground that is being contested constantly. Souls that are being contested constantly. We're in a fight. And it doesn't stop until God calls us home. And sometimes, quite frankly... We can get a little bit tired. We can get a little bit war-weary. Sometimes the fight is waging so strong and for so long, I just get dull. I just get... I just, I just need to rest a little bit. And so we let some things slide and we let some things go. Our vigilance drops. We just need a break from all of this. <clears throat> We need to understand, I don't know if this has anything to do with this or not, but we need to understand that our strength comes from God, not, not us. My strength is going to fail, absolutely, at some point. It's finite. It's going to fail. But in that point where it does fail, God is there to pick up my slack. He'll take me the rest of the way. If I would rely on Him, if I'd lean on His strength, His wisdom, His knowledge, his omnipotence. I can go as far as He needs me to go. I can go through anything He needs me to go through. doesn't matter what period of my life I'm in. <clears throat> I can endure anything that God places me in because He's there with me. He's my strength. He's the one that my faith and my hope and confidence is in. Not me. That's why I can endure anything and you can endure anything that needs to be endured or walked through. Because He's there with us. And if we'll make that choice, if we'll choose to rely on Him, and not look to myself all the time, I'll go a whole lot farther. Galatians 5 and 1 says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He set us free, church. If you're a biblical Christian, if you have a covenant relationship with the Almighty God, He set you free. And if you don't have that today, you can have that anytime you choose to accept it. 
He's made that available to all people everywhere. We don't have to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Once He sets us free, we are free indeed. And we don't have to worry about that anymore. The only time we have to worry about it, church, is if we start entertaining these things again. We start dabbling in those things that He set us free from. We keep thinking about it. Man, it was really nice to be able to do that. Man, it was really nice to be able to drink this. Man, it was really nice to be able to go there. You start thinking like that, church. Before you know it, you're going to be back there. He set us free from those things. Today, God's desire is that all people be loosed from whatever weight, sins, chains, bondage they're in. If we look at our Scripture text, we see who the Messiah is, what He has come to do. He's anointed me to preach the Gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Preach deliverance to the captives. Recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. We read of our Messiah in Isaiah 53 that a bruised reed will he not break, a smoking flax will he not quench. This idea that He's very gentle and very patient. There are times for other things. Please don't get me wrong. But, in someone's moment of need, now is not the time for a Bible study on obedience. Now is not the time for, see, I told you that would happen. Now clean up your mess. It's not the time for that. Someone's hurting now. Someone needs to be ministered to now. And that's what Jesus came to do, is to minister to needs. Those that are whole have no need of a physician. Those that are sick, they're the ones that need a physician. The ones that have no needs, they don't need to be ministered to. The ones that do, Jesus came to minister to them. Whatever that need might be. That need might seem inconsequential to you. It may seem insignificant to you. I imagine from God's perspective, they probably all seem inconsequential to God. But they're not. They're not inconsequential to God because they're not to you. They mean something to Him because they mean something to you. So when someone comes with a burden, going through something, a situation, that may seem fundamental to you. But it's not to them. It's a real need to them. And you can look down from your ivory tower and your years of Christian experience and and start preaching to them. Or you can come down to where they're at. Walk a mile in their shoes. And try to minister to the need. That's what Jesus does. That's what we're called to do. Amen. Heal the brokenhearted. Good grief. When the heart is broken, folks, that's hard to recover from. That's a tough spot to be in. For whatever reason. Going through a divorce. Going through a, some kind of relational breakup. Lost your job and, and you don't know 
what you're going to do for food now? I mean, there are situations that, that we can find ourselves in that we're absolutely devastated emotionally. Fear, anger, rage, despair. You name it. People are going through that right now. People you know are going through some of that right now. They're not going to show it. They're not going to just put it on their sleeve out there for everyone to see. But they're going through it. People are in bondage. People are scared. People are nervous about what the future holds. People are unsure of of anything. They have no friends to speak of. Statistically speaking, they got tens of thousands of followers on Twitter and, and Snapchat. But no one that they can call up with sometime and just, hey, I need someone to talk to. Most people don't have anyone like that. Jesus can minister to those needs. He can set them free from those things. And He wants to. John 8.32 says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. What truth? What truth are we talking about? The truth of Scripture. The truth of who God is. The truth of what He's done. The Gospel. I didn't realize Noel had such a doctrinal position. That was amazing. I didn't know that. We sung that song. Talking about the second Adam. and It's like, wow. That's pretty deep stuff. That's a truth that I appreciate. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. In a world that is interested in me. So concerned about me, my, mine. Jesus is trying to continually remind His people that our focus needs to be Him, them. I don't have to worry about me. I've been set free from that. I don't need to worry about me anymore. Matthew 7, he talks about clothes of the, the lilies of the field. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet even Solomon in all of his glory would not, was not arrayed like one of these. God clothes them. God feeds the animals. God does this and that and the other. Why are we worried about these things? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added freely unto you. Freely. Can God do that? Does God have the resources to do that? I hope He does. He has everything. So we know He can. Again, the problem always comes whether or not He will. Will He do this for me? 
Will He do it in my time of need? That's where the question always lies. That's where the problem of faith arises. We know He can. That's an intellectual certainty. This God that's presented to us in Scripture has the resources, the power, the authority. He has everything He needs to do to do it. All He needs to do is make a choice. He will, folks. We have a promise from God that He will, if we'll put Him first. God's covenant people have exceeding good and precious promises. Listen to these. Psalm 34.17 says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Psalm 107.6 says, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. Psalm 50 and 15 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Psalm 34 and 4 says, I sought the Lord, and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. What an awesome God we serve, church. Not only does He provide salvation, not only has He forgiven every one of my sins and purchased everlasting life for me, but on top of all of that, He provides every one of my needs. He assuages all of my fears and doubts. He undergirds me with His strength in times of test and trial. He walks there with me, right beside me, leading me, guiding me through all of it. That's our God. That's His desire for all people. And today we are the instruments of God's deliverance for others. God wants to use you and me to affect this deliverance for all people everywhere. He'll do that through you, just like He did it through Moses. It seems a biblical principle that God never acts independently, but He always chooses persons. He always chooses to operate through people. That's you and me in this dispensation, this age. His body. Matthew 10 and 1 says, When He had called unto Him His twelve disciples... He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. He's given you the same power, church. He's not a respecter of persons. Mark 16, 17-20 says, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. Are there devils today? Absolutely there are. And they're very busy. We need someone with power and authority to operate against them. That's you. That's me. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, He was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Now listen to this. Verse 20, They went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Do we need God's word confirmed in our day and age? Why? I agree with you. We do need it confirmed. One, because God said we need it confirmed. Two, because the authority of Scripture is constantly being undermined in our society. I've talked about the philosophical side of it, the apologetical side of it, at length. Here's the other side of the equation. We need God to... to demonstrate this as well. We need God to step up and say, 
what he's preaching to you is truth. And here's proof. We need that church. God has given us signs and wonders for that express reason. Not so I can get a healing. I appreciate it when God heals me. But again, I don't need a healing. God can take me at any time. I like a healing. I don't need a healing. They need a healing. And when God heals them, now they're in a pretty good spot to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, aren't they? Now they're a little bit more attentive to what you got to say. Where before they were like, ah, scriptures just, that was written by a bunch of drunk monks in the 15th century. How can I trust that? No proof, no research. I just throw that out. But now, now that God grew their leg back, now that God raised them up out of bed, now they're not so sure that this was written by a bunch of drunk monks in the 15th century. Now maybe there's some truth to this. Let me hear more. That's why this needs to be confirmed. All through Scripture, Brother DeMuth did a lesson on this a while ago, that God works with us. We're partnering with Him. We're partners with Him. We work, we do what we can, and God does the rest. We both have responsibilities here. But when we choose to allow God to operate through us, He most certainly will, church. Powerfully. Miraculously. That is God's design. I don't care what we're seeing at present. I don't care. What I read in Scripture is that's God's design. That's the way it ought to be working. Acts 1 and 8 says, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Here's a question. Witnesses to what? What am I witnessing to here? What do I have power to witness of? I have the power to demonstrate Jesus Christ to this world. I have the power and I have the authority to operate in a manner consistent with Christ's ministry here on earth. What Jesus did, that's what I need to be doing. Or God through me, more technically speaking. God through us. God needs to be operating in us. The same way Jesus operated when He was on earth. Well, what did Jesus do then? Let's take a look. What did Jesus do? How did He operate? He moved into an area and did a whirlwind of miracles. Signs and wonders. Generally speaking. And then, He preached. He taught. That is generally, not always, but generally, the pattern that He follows. When He commissioned the seventy and the twelve in the book of Matthew, He told them, I'm giving you power and authority over this, 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 this. Use it. Do these things. And preach the Gospel. I'm telling you, church, I don't care what we're seeing at present. 
This is biblical. This is right out of the book. A hundred years ago, no one was getting the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. I guess it's not a hundred years ago anymore. 150 years ago, <clears throat> there were, there were, but not on the scene at large. Until some guy in Texas or Kansas, Mr. Parnham, and his students decided to give the Book of Acts a try. Yeah, we've never seen this before. We've never heard of this before, but let's pray and let's see what God will do. Sure enough. God answered with fire. Maybe we should do the same thing. Maybe we should ask God about this. These are the end times, church. I'm not going to be stupid and give a day and hour. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. But we can read the signs of the times. And the signs are telling me time is short. And whatever is going to be done, it needs to be done. Because it's about to be wrapped up. This end time revival that's been prophesied, that already, I believe, is happening. Just the, the very beginnings of it. We need to be ready for that, church. We need to be ready for what God is wanting to do. God has freed us so that we can turn around and be used of God to free others. And we can't do that in our own power, our own wisdom, our own strength. It's got to be through the power of God. We can talk to people. We can minister to needs as, as much as we're able. We can teach them Bible studies. But at the end of the day, folks, I can't give anyone the Holy Ghost. I can't give someone a new heart. I can't transform someone's mind and their way of thinking. That's God. That's what God does. But I need to give God an opportunity in that person's life to do that. I need to present the Gospel to them. I need to present truth. I need to demonstrate Jesus to them. Not just His power and authority, although that needs to be demonstrated as well, but His love and His mercy and His compassion and His grace also need to be demonstrated, not just talked about in a Bible study. They need to see that in me. They need to see the fruit of the Spirit in us. They need to taste that fruit and see that God is good. Amen. In conclusion, and we can stand. I want us to all turn to Psalm 91. We're going to read through this together. I like Psalm 91, and if, if you've memorized all the Scriptures you think you need to memorize and you haven't memorized this, uh, give this a whirl. This is worth committing to memory. I haven't yet, and I'm going to start. Because this is an awesome psalm. Psalm 91. I'd like us all to read through this together. Starting with verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. 
my God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold, and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Let's all come to the front, please. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is truth, church. When our trust and our hope and our confidence is in the Lord our God, we need not fear anything. Those things that held us captive in the past need not hold us captive any longer. Whatever that might be. Maybe there's a secret sin, or maybe there's something a little bit more subtle going on. It doesn't matter. God is able God is willing to deliver us from all of these things. Thank God. And most certainly, He can deliver us from our sin. Most certainly, He can do that. Praise God. I want us to take a few minutes here to call on the name of the Lord. Let Him search our hearts. Let Him search us. If there be anything in us, anything that has captured us, anything that has enslaved us that we're not aware of, let Him reveal those things to you. Because church, we don't have to be enslaved by anything. We can be truly, completely, and absolutely free. Free altogether. Free for the entire length of our lives. Amen. Let's talk to Jesus. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. I am so thankful for You. I am so thankful for Your presence in this place. Thank You, Jesus, for the ministration of Your Spirit here. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that Your ministration would continue in the hearts, the minds, the lives of those present here, those joining us online. Help us, Lord Jesus, to seek Your face now, to hear from You, the Lord our God. Reveal unto us, I pray, and feel free, Lord Jesus, to walk through us, to walk through the chambers of our minds, our hearts. Reveal anything to us, Thou Most High God, that may be displeasing to You, that may be a hindrance to my walk with God, that might be holding me back from what You're desiring to do in and through me. 
Reveal these things to me, I pray, and set me free. Set me at liberty now, I pray, in Jesus' name. Set your people free, thou most high God, so that they're free to serve you. They're free to do those things you've called them to do. Loose the people of God now, I pray, that they no longer listen to seducing spirits. They no longer listen to those voices saying they're a loser, saying they're a disappointment, saying they're a failure. They're lies of the enemy. You created us to be powerful and strong and mighty through God. You, you created us to be a success. You created us to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to accurately reflect and demonstrate Jesus to this world. That's why we're here. Hallelujah, Jesus. Loose us, I pray, to do exactly that. Whatever's hindering us, holding us back, keeping us from the will of God, the plan of God, I pray move mightily in my heart and in my life. Move mightily in our hearts and in our lives. Now I pray, set us free. Set us free in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So that we can be used mightily of You. So that we can be ministers of the Gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. So that we can accurately demonstrate You to this world. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. You're an awesome God. You're worthy of our full service. You're worthy of all of us. You're worthy of every bit of us. I pray, Lord, that there would be no gods, that there would be no idols in my life, but that You would sit upon the throne of my heart all by Yourself. That it would not be me sitting on the throne, but You. That it would not be another individual. That it would not be money or stuff or things or a career, but that it would be You, Thou Most High God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Set us free to move forward in Your plan. Set us free, Lord Jesus, from fear. Fear of mistakes. Fear of failure. Fear of doing or saying the wrong thing. Fear of the future. Fear of what You really want of me. Set us free, Lord Jesus, to accomplish all of Your heart. To accomplish all of Your mind. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus.